time to rejoin the conversation. Okay, and we are back. And okay, here we go. Let's chop it up. So, have you ever gone somewhere and found yourself completely out of your element? So much so that it was uncomfortable, but you had to stay a while and people watched because you felt like you were watching people in their natural habitat. So, um, so there was a couple of things that have happened. A couple of things happened in the past, but actually yesterday, um, uh, so the anonymous female's brother and I, we wind up going to a uh, Ray LaMontagne uh, show. And uh, great show. Great show, by the way. Um, uh, now, to give you full context, um, uh, he is mid-40s suburban white guy. And even he says to me, you know, I usually don't notice this kind of stuff. But I think there's this very specific demographic that's into Ray LaMontagne. <laughs> and, uh, and, I look, and I happen to go, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I go, yeah, no, I've, I've only seen six other black people. <laughs> like, like, period. And uh, so, uh, and, and during the course of the show, um, they, I only saw about 12 other black people to, uh, and only two, two couples, uh, two black couples that actually were at the show. Now, that is not to say that uh, Ray LaMontagne music uh, wouldn't appeal to black people, but it is obviously not marketed to black people because there were no black people in there to speak of uh, to the point that he noticed it <laughs> before I... Right, right. <laughs> like, he was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, this is not very diverse. Uh, no, it is, no, it is not. Um, but I had a great time. And, but, it, but it got me to thinking about being places where you kind of find yourself you know, kind of people watching because you've seen people in a more natural habitat to them and, and it's definitely not your habitat. But it also got me to think about this one time, um, a friend of ours, he wants to go uh, do karaoke. And he seems to remember a place that at one point did karaoke that he used to frequent quite a bit. So we try to go there, um, and uh, <laughs> so when we get there, we realize this is no longer a karaoke bar, and uh, and it and it happens to be uh, if anybody knows the Northland uh, <laughs> at all, it happens to be uh, I think it's called Smoking Aces uh, on Northland. So just so happens when we get there. Um, this is uh, this is an oddly uh, this is an oddly p 
PWT slash ghetto bar at the same time. So you've got really, wait, 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 wait. so you've got really hood black people, and what you would uh, you probably call poor white trash in the bar at the same time. It was just the weirdest mix of people. And everybody seemed to be have the best time of their lives. And but it was so weird to the point that everybody was like, okay, we should probably go. This is where we want to be. And I was like, we got to wait for a little while. This is amazing. This is amazing. I'm like, I feel like I am watching them. And I was like, I was like, crikey, there they go. I was like, I just felt like I was watching a natural habitat. It was so strange. And we sat there for about 10 minutes or so. We just kind of people watched before we finally left. But that image always stuck with me, just kind of catching people in their natural habitat. So I wondered, um, have has anybody ever been somewhere and they realized that, oh, this is not for me. But it was so intriguing they couldn't just leave right away. Uh, I think I started with Big Dave uh, the first time, so I'll go the other way and I'll start with Chris. Yeah, definitely a trip to Germany last time. And when you say like Springfield, you know how there's a Springfield town almost every state? Mm. Mm. My boss told me, yeah, you want to stay at Mülheim. Mm. And the problem is there's Mülheim on der Ruhr by where our offices are at, the company I work for. There's Mülheim on der Mosel. Mm. I end up at the Mosel which is two and a half hours away from our corporate headquarters. <laughs> and they spoke no English. Okay. It's full-on German-European. Right, right. And everybody walks around pretty much at the spa, pretty much no clothes on. Okay. <laughs> and they're sitting in the sauna with the wife. And, okay. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure why they told me to come here. <laughs> it was my mistake, but it was a rather interesting culture shock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Midwest White Woods. So how long? How, <laughs> yeah. how long did we you just stay there? Three, four days because I was oh. locked in for some meetings and stuff. So it was quite interesting. Okay. So that's where the company took you to. No, they told me to stay at Mülheim on der Ruhr, just like we say Springfield over here, which can be in multiple states. Mm. I stayed at Mülheim on der Mosel, different river, two and a half hours away from headquarters. Mm. <laughs> and it was the White. Oh, and Bear. you had booked a hotel yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was the white bear, and I thought it was white bar. Yeah, you know, <laughs> little things on it, so they would have stayed upstairs. In okay, bar. okay. But it's to be in a resort. Gotcha. Resort, okay. And they spoke nothing but German. Okay. So it was very interesting. Okay. I definitely seen people in their natural habitat <laughs> in, in more ways than one. Apparently. Uh, Jordan. Um. Sorry, I had to take a sip of my um, Japanese whiskey there. Right. Oh, uh, wait, uh, before, before you go on with your story, uh, Ben, tell them what you poured him. I poured him the Nika Miyagikyo. Um, it's a Japanese whiskey. I have a lot of respect for Japanese whiskey because they are master uh, craftsmen when it comes to uh, spirits. 1969, you started to distill Yeah. And, uh, you know, just they do... Uh, Scotch whiskey styling uh, whiskey in, in Japan with excellent craftsmanship and water sourcing. So 
what he's drinking is certainly delicious. I've had it. Okay. It's outstanding. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, Jordan. Um, Big Dave going to probably have a lot of respect for this. I was down in New Orleans and, uh, there you go. a couple months ago on business, and I stumbled across a second line. Mm. And What's it called? A second line. All right. And I... Uh, I had no idea. I, I've heard about it. You know, I've seen them on YouTube or whatnot. So it was a funeral procession, I mm. guess. And they were just going through the street, you know, just partying. Just, I mean, the band. They had, uh, had the full. Yeah. And if you don't move to it, you're dead. Yeah. Gonna, they, they're going to give you the, one of them funerals where they march down the street <laughs> because you moved to that stuff. Oh, yeah. And, that uh, right? Yeah. It's, and, I mean, they had a guy on sticks. <laughs> Man, they had um, topless women. It was just like babies were out there. Um, so I kind of – I found myself watching at first, like, man, let me see what, what this is about. And then I just kind of felt myself – you know, moving, I felt myself really just taking in the whole vibe and the experience of it. Um, so much so that, you know, I came back, you know, home and I told my wife I want to have a second line for my son's birthday, you know, in Kansas City. I just hadn't, it was something that was, I had to just sit there and watch um, and try to, you know, become involved to the best of my ability. But yeah, it was just, it was different, man. Um, and it seemed like, it had like no color barrier, like no gender. It was just if if you saw that second line, you joined. You in joined in, and you, know, you appreciated the life of whomever. It was just a culture. It was a, a feeling. Um, it was just like a true uh, New Orleans thing. In, 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 in New Orleans, yeah, y'all have to understand is that it's. Uh, it's a place unto itself. If you've never been there, you know, a lot. Of, I know a lot of our listeners are from overseas. And you, you've never been to a place like New Orleans. It's a country unto itself. Um, it, it is truly a unique place with unique music, unique cultures all over it. Such a mix of people. And they do get along, and we do party together, and we do dance in the street together, and we have our music, and we have our fade old and our and our cooking and everything that goes with it. It is such a cultural rich mix. Mm-hmm. Like there's no place on earth I don't think that oh, has yeah. what Nautilus has. Yeah, I'm I'm I have been fascinated by kind of New Orleans culture for years. One, I think it started with like seeing on some show or something, seeing the second lines and then I remember a few years back when uh, they did the TV show on HBO, Treme, um, and they really, it was a look at New Orleans post-Katrina, but it was through the eyes of the musicians. And, uh, and just seeing how dense the musical culture is down there. And, uh, I fell in love with the whole idea of the Mardi Gras Indian. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you get the if French Creole influence. Oh, it's yeah. really unique. If, if anybody can get Treme, uh, I don't know if it's on Netflix, I don't know where it is anymore, but yeah. Treme is the only show I've ever seen that really brought home 
what New Orleans is because they had the Indians in there, oh, they yeah. had the chieftains, yeah. they had the mix of the yeah. neighborhoods, they had yeah. everything about New Orleans was trimming. Oh yeah. And Michelle and I never missed an episode oh, because yeah. man, every time I would watch that. Right. Yeah, yeah you know, I was just like, that was, when, uh, yeah, I love that when show. When the chief started singing and started doing his thing, it was just, and then, of course, the tuba player, that was the main character. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it epitomized, you know, that not only just the joy of New Orleans, but also it was the trial and tribulations oh, yeah. of New Orleans. New Orleans is, is at one place a very joyful, happy music place, and at the other, on the other side, it's a very tragic place, too. It, it could be it could be such a mixture of so many things with the Creole and the Voodoo, and with the Cajun mix and the, you know the the mix of the French down there and you add it all together and it's such a mix. And I I immersed myself in it. Oh, I yeah. totally totally yeah got into it. Yeah. So how long were you guys down there? I was down there for like um, well, like three or four days. So. Was that the only second line you saw while you were down there? It was, yeah. It was kind of just, um, I kind of just, I think I caught like the tail end of it. They were just moving on. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I saw it and then I started to try to research it on YouTube and just get the full vibe. Um, and that's when I also realized that New Orleans is a very small city. Um, <clears throat> I was able to, just on foot, like, walk around, go to multiple places. Um, and it seemed like. As long as you know where to walk. Right. You got to be careful where you walk down there. Now, don't be a fool. No, you're right about that. Um, but, no, yeah, so I went and caught in a Pelicans game and just kind of walked around the city, and um, it was cool, man. Um, I like New Orleans a lot. Yeah. Ben? <coughs> so back to concerts. Yeah. Uh, I think I told you I went to Ween when they were in town. Oh, All yeah, right, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> I, you know, I knew a couple songs from high school that I had a friend who's a member here who uh, said, hey, uh, I got, want to get tickets to this Ween show. Do you want to come? I said, yeah. That sounds like fun. And it was a good show. But back to the whole... <laughs> you were looking at people in their natural habitat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mainly the mid to late 90s white stoner... <laughs> Uh, in its natural habitat, I didn't see a single black person there. Oh, now, I fully believe yeah. that there were no black people at the wing show. I believe that. Hey, but hey, we're stoners. And, uh, <laughs> even as a white guy, I felt weird about that. I was like, what is this? Okay. But that's what it was. So that was interesting, people watching. Um, but I guess in a way, I've always kind of felt even where I grew up, um, not really with it, you know? Mm. Felt, uh, which a little, is, felt, felt a little outside looking in. Yeah, uh, you know, because I'm from Chillicothe, and it's just a bunch of people who want to stay where they are and never... Span the visions of life. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dave, you probably know what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, I grew up in Kirksville. was another town like Chillicothe. Yeah. You know, these are mostly white towns. And, there, and we have people that, you know, we grew up with, both Ben and I grew up, we talked about it. Yeah. You know, where, uh, you know, they're, they're townies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Townies is the, yeah, that's, that's actually a coin term from Kirksville. Right. From the, the uh, from the university folk uh, from, who went from state. 
uh, anybody who wasn't there just for school. You actually hear that quite a bit from from yeah. people. There's, from better from there's an old movie the called for Cutters a, that for nails similar that reasons. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, marijuana, beer, and women. Okay. Um, okay. Meth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got into that. You're younger. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, that's how it was when I went to first film. Um, but also being. <clears throat> So I guess my background is kind of weird being as that I was a prosecutor's kid, so I had to be a social chameleon. I never, I, I didn't subscribe to, like, I'm just going to be a part of the, the preppy kids or whatever, even though I was friends with those guys. I wanted to be friends with every single group that I possibly could. Just, I guess, out of, I don't know, trying to understand yeah. people in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, and coming from the fact that, you know, just the way my dad raised me is that nobody is, you're not better than anybody. Yeah. Well, well, Ben and I had a lot of similar things even in high school, I think, because I really wasn't associated with the group, and I don't think Ben was either. No. We, we kind of tended to hang around with a lot of people. We hang around with the Greasers, we hang around with the Stoners, and you know, I was a bunch of football player, a jock, so I hung around with those guys, and, you know, we, we kind of hung around with a lot of different people. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's really what made Ben and I a lot of who we are today. And I think once we left, it allowed us to... Uh, understand different cultures and drop some of our uh, opinions of other cultures. Yeah. And, and, and become more rounded people in our lives. Yeah. So, so I guess these days, like, it's, I don't know, for the past decade or so, it's like anytime I go to, like, a, a really popular bar, you know, right. where there's a lot of people, I feel way out of my element. Mm. You know, whereas it's funny because I've been in the service industry for 20 years. Right. Not feeling, like, right there, you know? It's yeah. like I'm there and I'm just like... Man, I wish there were just like ten people here, right, 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 right. And, and everybody talked a few decibels lower yeah. than they're doing. Yeah. Um, and then you found this place. Yeah, yeah. Which this is perfect for me. Yeah, because now I have like a, a bunch of people who just want to chill and you know have a real conversation. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, yeah. like a regular bar is just. Yeah, it's a completely it's just traffic, right? It's not yeah. interpersonal relationship. No. It's just cocktail conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I'll steal a line from Michael Connolly, one of my favorite authors, Lincoln Lawyer and yeah, Harry yeah, Bosch yeah. series. And one of his lines that Harry Bosch, the detective, always says is either everybody counts or nobody counts. Absolutely. And that's, I think that one's and that's, really, that's very true, though. It's, it's a very, very good line, true. right? Yeah. Very it's line. a great line. It's very true. Uh, what about you, Big Day? Oh, man. This has to go back down to Louisiana in my early, early years. I, I, I got out of my troubles that I was having down in Dallas, and I got a job on the boats. And so I got sent back over to Texas, and I worked with Max Creel over there. And we came back in, and uh, Max took some time off, and they put me on a, on a boat with Pepper. Pepper was one of our black skippers. We went down to Venice, Louisiana. Went down there, the last town on the river. That's where the road ends. Okay, so wait. Let me let me let me pause real quick. Um, out there in podcast land, I'm going to guarantee that this story has something to do with women. But okay, let's go. <laughs> so, anyway, I used to hang. Pepper and I used to sit on the boat. And we'd we'd smoke a little and. and have a drink and get to telling each other jokes. And we started telling each other racist jokes one night. And he's telling me honky jokes, I'm telling him black jokes. And we weren't calling black jokes at the time. And we just sit there drunk, laughing our asses off. 
So we got a night off, and there was a black bar up in Buras, Louisiana. And he says, man, y'all come by bar with me tonight. And I said, yeah, man, that sounds like a great time. You know, I get along great together. I'm sure I get along real good. So we go in there, and R&B playing, and I would like to R&B, and we're having a good time. We're sitting at the table with a bunch of brothers and sisters, and, and uh, Pepper looks at me and says, hey, man, you ought to tell me that joke you told me the other night. <laughs> oh, boy. Pepper, is that you? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and I was, you know, and you weren't I'm thinking. the only white boy in yeah. the bar. Right, okay? right, right. So you are in a place where, you know, I am kicking back and I'm watching all the brothers and sisters down there having a good time. You know, there's a lot of what we call mulattoes. They go to Cajun and yeah, yeah, yeah. black mix. So I, I guess I wasn't the only white one in them, but they're all mixed race. And there's a lot of mixed race down there because they all fuck each other. But um, this is around New Orleans. I, I said, Pepper, this is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you at least recognize that this yeah, is not a good idea. Okay. And he looks right at me. <laughs> He gets straight. He gives me the look to Mario when I talk certain politics to Mario. He doesn't like. He gives me that stone cold look. You know? <laughs> and, and Pepper's got this stone cold look, and all the brothers got this stone cold look. And I'm saying, I may die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so I told the joke, and I got done with the joke. And they all just sat there with that stone face and looked at me, and I'm going, oh, my God, I am going to die tonight. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old. So, you know, you're just young and dumb full come at that time anyway. And finally, they all just busted out laughing. Like, I have pause. never heard so many honky jokes in my life. <laughs> <laughs> sure that's enough, a new one. I actually haven't heard that one. Uh, that's that's funny. Sure enough, sure enough. <coughs> they got me up and... and, and Pepper hooked me up with one of the local girls down there, and we got dancing and had a good time. And I did get laid that night. Okay. And I did enjoy myself. Okay. Very, 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 okay. very much. As I said, this was going toward a very specific Why? place. I may have been out of my element, but the element come to me. <laughs> hey, cheers to Dave. Cheers to the element coming today. Let's have a cheers to Jackie. Yes, to Miss Jackie. To her health, she gets better quickly. Praying for a speedy recovery. So I mentioned a couple things at the beginning. So one time, Jackie and I were going to this Italian restaurant and uh, we had actually gone there for lunch with another friend of ours. Had a great time. Place was full. She just, you know, she's like, oh, we should go by and we should go for dinner one night. So we're going to go for dinner. We wind up there. We're the only, I want to say we're the only people there that weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> uh, it wasn't full by any means. It was just... Everybody that was there, obviously, was not expecting us to show up. Uh, uh, and, and anybody out there who, who doesn't know Jackie, Jackie's white, of course I'm black. Uh, so we walk in and mixed race couple into this Italian restaurant. And in that moment, it's one of those things where you, it's almost like in the movies where the record just <laughs> everybody stops talking and everybody's looking at us 
everybody's smiling. You know, it's not like it, they're scowling or anything. Everybody's smiling, but nobody's talking anymore. <laughs> and after a minute, I go, I think we should leave. And she goes, what? What's, what's going on? And I'm like, uh, we walked in on the middle of something we shouldn't be in on. We shouldn't be in on. This seems like family business going on. And she, oh. and she didn't catch what that meant at first. Uh, I'm married to a Sicilian. I caught it. Oh, yeah. But as soon as we got outside, she was like, what, what? I says, there was obviously some very Italian shit going on in there that we didn't have any business being a part of, and they weren't very uh, happy <laughs> that, we showed up. that we showed up. It was time for us to go. And, uh, and so, but... I really wanted to sit there for a while and see if they started back up in whispers or yeah. something. You should have, actually. But uh, it should have. Should have. You probably should have. Because should've. That, that's, that's one thing you got to do. Because you go immerse yourself into an element sometimes. Your, your first impression is somewhat right. But your second impression is, hey, I got in there. I'm cool. Yeah. Hang with me. Yeah, you yeah. You find yeah. you might like me. Yeah. You know that. Well, and no, and and normally, uh, normally, uh, I'm definitely. Uh, you know what? M most people like me. I'm gonna chill. Yeah. Uh, just that particular night. Well, it didn't right. feel. Some it didn't feel like our night. Now I will say this about my wife. You know, Chris has an old Oldsmobile that we're gonna go on a Route 66 trip with. Okay. So my my wife and I met him, and we went out to dinner with him and his wife. Then we went for ice cream afterwards. And Michelle gets out and she says, "Pop the trunk." She goes, "Ooh, that's a three-body trunk." <laughs> so there's the woman I'm married to. She that was a the very Sicilian thing to how say. How many bodies you can get in the that trunk? That was a very Sicilian thing to say. True, uh, right? True. <laughs> we'll check it out after the podcast. That, that is hilariously funny because uh, I can only imagine his wife uh, with saying with saying with a who I who I know saying this with a very straight face. <laughs> so, oh wow, this is a big trunk. This is at least a three body trunk. I can I can I can see her saying that without flinching because she's very Sicilian. <laughs> this uh, reminded me of another story. Yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of, of mob or Italian joints, uh, I think I've told you this story at least. Uh, have you been to the Red Front, anybody? Where? The Red Front. Red, no, Red or, Front. Oh, Red Front, no. So there's a, a little bar called the Red Front over there, kind of behind... Uh, the, uh Yeah. yeah. River Mock. Yeah. I've heard about it. Behind uh, Grand Street over there. Okay, yeah. Um, on Thursday nights, well, this is what I came to find out, is I uh, went in there one night pretty, you know, kind of drunk, you know? Yeah. And uh, hanging out with some service industry people, and all of a sudden, we look over, and uh, first of all, there's this DJ playing, right? And I'm thinking, man, this DJ's pretty solid. Right. Holy shit. And then I look over, and there's literally a bondage party going on. <laughs> tying people, tying people from the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, kind of thing. And this is the theme of the night. There's a, a bondage DJ theme. Wow. But what I thought was most interesting was the fact that not only was there a bondage party going on, uh, there was a DJ for it, and the DJ's really good. <laughs> I, was, I love this guy's music. I am feeling this. Mm -hmm. 
And apparently they do this every Thursday, but it's one of those moments where I'm like, I'm not in my element. <laughs> you get tied up on I did not. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. We just had to check. We had to check. Uh, yeah. Although that actually does remind, an observer. Actually, that does remind me of one other story. So when I first moved here, um, it's probably now mm, almost 12 years ago. Um, me and a neighbor couple of mine, we go to uh, what used to be the cashew. Mm. And so uh, bar downstairs, really full. We wind up going upstairs because they used to have two or three rooms you can sit uh, and kind of chill upstairs. And they were open air. So we you we could, had our friend Mark Church there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can go up there and you could, you could uh, smoke and stuff because... So we went up there, and uh, so we're sitting there, and that room's pretty full too. But you know, we found a couple seats, so we're sitting there and we're chilling. And we realized after a while um, that you know, it's a bunch of uh, couples in their upper forties and fifties, and guess where this is going. And we're looking around, and then everybody's kind of, kind of like giving us the side eye and whispering, and and I was trying to figure out what was going on, and then um, somebody said something to me that, and to this day I don't remember the words they used, but the what they said didn't make any sense at the time. What I found, what I find out was. They were trying to throw cold words at at me if I was into swinging. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so after a little while, um, you know, this one couple, they really started trying to cozy up. And I'm like, uh, this is feeling weird and uncomfortable. And then the guy finally goes, so, yeah, so what do you think of my wife? She's pretty hot, huh? And I go... Uh, dude, that's your wife. <laughs> like, what are you talking? What are you, what are you like, like, right? Why, what, what, what are we talking about here? And uh, and then it hit me. Oh, we just walked to a swinger party. <laughs> uh, you two can do whatever you want. I think I should go <laughs> at this point. And uh, so, yeah, just, yeah. Well, I was did, def- you, did your friend stay? Uh, no, we all left. Oh, we all, man. We all she left. You could have had something on them. We all left. That's been some serious dirt. I, well, I, yeah, actually, I wound up uh, falling out with, with that couple anyway because he turned out to be a dirtbag. And uh, I, I didn't know that at the time. It turned out to be a dirtbag. And. She turned out to be a dirtbag enabler and uh, strange ranger. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, yeah. As long as it's all consensual, I don't judge. Yeah, you know? so I was like, yeah, you know what? What? Whatever. <laughs> whatever you yeah. want to do is fine with me. Just don't include me in your in your stuff. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, they invited me to a couple of things that I was like, uh, are you? What? Yeah, why would you invite me to this? Yeah, they should at least yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As soon as you walk in the door, you're like, oh, 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 it's like this up in here. Uh, I, 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 got, I got an old black friend of mine that I play golf with. Uh-huh. And he's a really good golfer. And they had a swingers golf tournament. Oh, wow. So my wife and I, even I thought for a minute that, you know, 
golf swingers be in case of active getting black folks into playing golf. Into playing golf, right. As he's swinging the clubs. Right, there is what, yeah. <laughs> Bingo. So, so you thought. Yeah, and, and so my friend Lonnie Gossman, one of my coon-ass friends, I said, hmm, their golf tournament wasn't about golf swinging, was it? <laughs> he goes, oh, no, that's the Kansas City Swingers. And I said, Kenny and his lady are part of that. And I said, uh-huh. <laughs> that's, a that's a tournament well. I don't need that to be playing. That is hilarious. That'll, that'll get to Cecilia and will dismember me and put me in Boston Island. That is hilarious. <laughs> We're in a three-person trunk. Oh, boy. All right. All right, with that, unless anybody else has got any more stories they want to share, uh, with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com, a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. Okay, and we are back. And before we get out of here, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. And for those that don't know, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. Uh, And today's sugar, honey, iced tea is comfort. Uh, In order to define comfort, I thought I should start with the definition of habitat. And a habitat is a place or environment where a plant or animal naturally or normally lives or grows. Uh, the typical place of residence of a person or group, um, the um, um, a housing for a controlled physical environment in which people can live under uh, surrounding inhospitable conditions. Like the Inuit, you uh, talk about swingers. Uh, <laughs> the Inuit, yeah. Uh, so, um, so. I suppose that in order to gain comfort, uh, you've got to go undergo some degree of discomfort. Uh, The process of creating a habitat in which you can remove your armor and just be while the rest of the world rages on. Um, So in a past podcast, we talked about uh, Olympians training for 10,000 hours in order to perform uh, at that crucial moment where they need to. Um, you can say that they built a habitat for themselves um, that was uncomfortable so that when tested, they could comfortably shine. So that got me to thinking. You can never underestimate the feeling that is comfort. But never forget that you have to create comfort um, and that comfort comes from a habitat. And that habitat may be uncomfortable and that's okay. Because in order to gain anything in life, sometimes you're going to have to be uncomfortable. You know, actually, before the show started, uh, Chris and I were talking about um, 
I saw a video from Will Smith, and he was talking about preparing his brother-in-law to work for his company. And so his brother-in-law comes to him and says, I want to work, I want to work for the company. He looks at his brother-in-law up and down, and he says, first of all, you want to be in entertainment. Uh, you're skinny with a gut. That's not going to work. <laughs> Come back to me when you have a six-pack. I'm like, that's preparation in and of itself. So sometime later, the brother-in-law comes back to him. They're at a family gathering or whatever, and, and he goes, hey, lift up the shirt. Let me see. So he had hooked him up with his trainer, and his trainer says, yeah, yeah, let him see. Lifts up the shirt. He has a six-pack. He goes, okay, good. Now, find this book, read this book. When he finds this book, he said it's thick as the Bible. It's a 1,000 pages. But it's about story. He gets through that book, and he gives them 14 other books to read. All of them fairly thick, all of them about construction of story. What I'm saying is, what he wanted to do was be in the entertainment business. That was his comfort level. But in order for him to get there, he had to go through the habitat, which is uncomfortable to rework his body and rework his mind in order to be prepared to perform comfortably in uncomfortable situations. So I say all that to say, uh, if you're trying to get anywhere in life, you want to get to a level, and, and you hear people say this all the time, oh, I don't want to be rich, I want to be comfortable. Well. If that's really where you want to be, how long are you willing to be uncomfortable to get there? For me, it was 17 years. Well, Amen. Well, that's that's how years long it of took my me business. To <laughs> exactly. 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 Uh, I, I, do have, I do have an opposite. The deer on my hunting property are very comfortable because I provide them good habitat. They eat well. They have beautiful woods to live in. And then when it comes hunting season, they become very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little opposite view of it, right? Hey, hey, well, but 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 you know, you're creating a habitat for them in order for you to do something that is reasonably uncomfortable for to, them. <laughs> for them. <laughs> I find great comfort in it. <laughs> hey, to, yeah, so you can thin that herd a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hard, yeah, hard, work yeah. <laughs> hard work definitely improves your luck. There you go. You don't make the effort. Yeah. You're not going to get true. the breaks. There you go. Exactly. And I agree with that entirely. Um, working up here, I, I have never felt a level of peace and comfort that I ever had. But if I was just some schlep in my industry who just accepted being a body I would never survive up here I wouldn't be accepted up here Yeah, and you know what that's why we like you because you're willing to go through the trial by fire in order to be an excellent bartender 
because up here, anyway, that's what matters. Yep. Ben, Anybody, ben. any look, I can go behind a drink and just pour an ounce or two. Yep. But you know, to do some of the things you've done and create your own cocktails and like that takes a certain level of commitment that not everybody's willing to do. Right. And, like, and the customers have a certain amount of comfort because as Ben Wells knows, I come in and I say, Ben makes me a drink. And I they, know that Ben's going to mix me a good drink. He'll never make you sick either. He'll never put someone in your gut you can't stand. There you go. Yep. But that's the difference we talked about earlier, Mario, about being uh, good versus great, right? Going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. Yep, and I still got a long way to go. Um, I've met people in my industry who I absolutely admire and uh, know that I'm not even on their level. And that's an interesting dichotomy where I know where I'm at and yeah. I think, yeah, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm great to a lot of people, um, but whenever I compare myself to others that I can see the difference between what I am now and what they are, I know where I gotta go. You can always get better, and, and you right. always have Continue to, to be better. Mm -hmm. you, you, you should never be satisfied with who you are and where you are, as far as what you're good at. You should you always go. try to get better at it, and yeah. that's and that's the mark of greatness. And that is the mark of greatness. And that's the shit. And with that, <laughs> I'm gonna end this podcast away and all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it all for me, and that is to good times good with good people. people.